Thank you for taking the time to listen to this life-changing message from the ministry of Faith Bible Chapel. We hope this message will encourage you in all parts of your life. At the end of this message, you will hear more information on how to contact our church family, as well as directions for you to visit us for any of our worship services. Until then, join us for the service in progress. We're continuing our series called Healthy Relationships, Myth or Reality. How many here were challenged last week by the message about choosing love? How many here had to choose love this week? Go, why, you are brave. You're sitting next to maybe somebody had to choose love about. But anyway, well done. What, we're making the decision as a church that we're going to have healthy relationships. Do you agree? We know we live in a broken world. We know that we live in, in a world where a lot of our issues that we deal with in our own lives are tied to relationships. And since this is February, this is the month when everyone's thinking about love and chocolate and hearts and teddy bears and, and dinner reservations, please remember that. This also isn't just about romance. It's about friendships. It's about church relationships. It's about work relationships. It's about life relationships. And that God wants us to have healthy, vibrant relationships so that we can bring glory to him through our relationships with one another. So we're continuing that series today. My desire really is by the end of this series that we're going to have a better understanding of what it means to have stronger healthier, better relationships. And whether we like it or not, relationships are a part of our world every day. Listen, the only way you can get through life without, without having relationships is if you live on a deserted island somewhere all by yourself. You might think, man, that sounds really good. But reality is it's not good because once you get there, you will be lonely because God made you to be in relationships. And so many studies actually show that most and a lot of emotional problems are rooted in wrong, dysfunctional, broken relationships. A relationship, it's, it can either make you feel amazing, two, two ways. Either make you feel amazing and like, man, I love this. Or it can make you feel terrible and totally rob you of your joy. And I think mo- most of you know this, that relationships are the single most influential aspect of our lives. They are the source of either your greatest joy or they are the source of your greatest pain. Relationships. If you were to think about the the, the most exciting times of your life and the most difficult times of your life, I would guarantee you there's probably a relationship involved, whether with a friend or at work or with a spouse or a church or with your pastor, whatever it may be. It was a difficult thing or it was a wonderful thing. But God made us to be in relationships. And that's what we, we, I believe it with all of my heart. When I read the Bible, when I I look at what God's purpose is for mankind, it is to be in relationships. In the beginning when God made made man, he, he told Adam this. He says, it is not good for man to what? To be alone. That wasn't just a statement about romance. It was a statement about God made mankind to be connected in relationships. And so it's not good for us to walk life alone. We weren't made to walk life alone. You were created to be in a community. Whether you like it or not, you were made to be in a community. Last week we talked about how, excuse me, how love must be a part of the foundation about everything that we do in our relationships. So all of our relationships, if love is not the root of our relationships, our, our relationships are going to suffer, they're going to struggle, 
Our friendships are going to struggle. Our church community is going to struggle. Our marriage is going to struggle. Our school relationships are going to struggle. We're going to be tossed about every single day of our life depending on how we feel. Because what we discovered is that love is a choice. Imagine a household where you never knew what you were going to get in the morning. You never knew. So someone woke up and they thought, you know, I feel nice today. Therefore, okay, good. It's going to be a good day. Or they woke up, you just, you never know. Well, I, things didn't go good at, good at work. So therefore, by golly, I'm going to come home and take it out on the family. Or I'm not feeling like loving today. So therefore, I'm not going to love today. Imagine if our relationship with God was like that. We never knew what we were going to get. We never knew if God was going to be the same as he was yesterday as he is today. But what we do know is that God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. But imagine how you would feel in your own spirit, in your own soul, if you never knew what you were getting with this God that we serve. Most of our relationships are much like that. We never know. It's like we wake up in the morning and we blow on the dice and let's see what we're going to get. And you don't know. Some days, it depends, is it the weekend? Is it this? What's, What's going on? I think God has something better for us. Here's the deal. We don't have to live like that. God has a better way for us. Love is a choice. It is not an emotion. And love will last forever. So today I want to look at what Paul says about love. And I know through this series we're not going to be able to cover all the areas about what love is. But I want to take some time and look at some of these today. Actually, just one of them today. And I want to read to you after Paul lays out about how love is a choice. He goes in to talk about what love actually is. And so I want to read today, 1 Corinthians 13, 4 through 7. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects. It always trusts. It always hopes. And it always perseveres. I want to talk about this first line right here that Paul writes about is this, that love is patient. So here's the question, how patient is your love? How patient is your love? This word here actually, it it doesn't say this love feels patience. It doesn't say that, that love makes us patient. It actually means love acts patiently. The word literally means this, to be inconvenienced yet endure it. And not want to strike back when you're inconvenienced. Most of the times when, when patience comes into to a situation in our lives or impatience, it's all about inconvenience. It's all about, come on, hurry up, I'm inconvenienced. Get out the door. Or hurry up, or, or this. Something isn't done the way I want it to be done, so therefore I'm inconvenienced and now I'm impatient. There's an old translation of this passage that means this, a man or a woman who is wronged and has it within his or her power to avenge himself will never do it. This is patience. 
And the opposite side of this is this, this it's almost like it's like a killer instinct. It's, it's going for the juggler when someone doesn't measure up to what you want, your timetable, to what you want when you want it. Within a moment, you react and go for the kill. You say something. Your tongue releases poison to speak over someone's life or your actions or your behavior or your breathing. But patience means this. To restrain yourself. To hold back. And to show meekness. To restrain yourself. To hold back, to show meekness. This whole idea of patience, it is, it's a characteristic of the God that we serve and what he wants in your relationships. Because God is love, the response of that is he is also acting patiently towards you. Paul is not saying here, you need to feel patient. If you choose love, he's saying you need to act patiently. If you're a follower of Jesus Christ, You are to, with his grace, with his mercy, the scripture says we are to act like him. We're to follow his example. And the word Christian literally means to be like a little Christ. So the demonstration of following Jesus should be demonstrated in our lives. Now, do we have something to measure up to? Absolutely. Jesus is our standard. Are we going to spend the rest of our life trying to achieve that? Yes. But can you do it on your own? No way. No way. You might be sitting here thinking, Jason, my relationships are so broken. They are so shattered. They are splintered. Things have been said. Things have been done. There's nothing that can happen. Well, let me tell you something here. We do not serve a God who is bound by your mistakes or someone else's mistakes. We serve a God that overcomes those. We serve a God who, who when you see impossibility, he sees a possibility, and he begins to work in your life. And so the purpose of this series is to give us hope that through the power of the Holy Spirit working in us and through us, that which was dead, he can breathe new life on it again. And that's, I know that that's what all of us need. And so the, this is the whole reason that love is to be the foundation of our relationships and that as Christians we are to act, this first one, patiently. The greatest example of patience that we have all throughout our lives is the patience of God. Second Peter 3.9 says this, The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, As some understand slowness. In other words, God's slowness is not your slowness. It is God's own slowness. So he gets to do whatever he chooses. But then it goes on to say this. Instead, he is patient with you. Not wanting anyone to perish. But everyone to come to repentance. The God that we serve is patient. There's a story from the 1920s about a famous atheist. He was, he was like the, the Richard Dawkins of the time. And he would stand up and he, he would give these, these just passionate, he was an evangelist for atheism, actually. His name is Robert Ingersoll. You can look him up. 
And he went around promoting and preaching atheism. There is no God. And his arrogance and he flailed of his own ego about there is no God. And he was famous as he would open up his speeches. He would point his finger to the sky. And he would say this. If there is a God, I curse his name. I give that God, if he really exists, five minutes to strike me dead. And the crowd gasped like many of you did today. They would say blaspheming. And they thought, surely God is going to strike them dead. Like they're running out of the room like lightning's going to hit any time. And he would count down five minutes. And he was famous for what they called the five-minute dare for God. So people thought, why? How, come, how come God didn't do anything? How come? It was interesting. They talked to another famous pastor, famous meaning very influential, from Boston. His, his name was Dr. A.J. Gordon. And someone asked him, hey, what do you think about Robert Ingersoll daring God to strike him dead in five minutes? And Dr. Gordon said this, does Ingersoll dare to think that he can exhaust God's patience in only five minutes? God is patient. How many here are thankful that God was patient with you? Amen. Amen. If we're to have healthy, functional, growing relationships, we're going to have to have patience. And we need patience. And today is a very practical, practical message. And I believe the Word of God is incredibly practical. Boy, people chase mysteries and they chase numbers and they chase colors. And the whole time, they're not doing what the Bible says. I believe that God can give us great revelation on things of his word if we will first obey what his word clearly says. And so we need patience because, number one, we are not all the same. In our relationships, we are, we are not all the same. Everybody say amen to that. We're not all the same. Romans 12, 6 says this. In his grace, God has given us different gifts for doing certain things well. Here, I want you to see this for a moment. The reason why we're different is because of God's grace. He made us differently. He shaped you differently. You know, you can grow up in the same house, eat the same food, go on the same vacation, watch the same televisions, to television shows together, have the same experiences, and be totally and absolutely different. Why? Because God made you different. Because on your life is a fingerprint of God that is, that is complex, is beautiful, and is different than anybody else in the world. There might be some similarities between some people, but think about it. Out of 7 billion people on the planet, every one of us are different. That's crazy. But it's God made you that way, and he made you that way because of his grace. So there are introverts, there are extroverts, there are different interests, talents, skills, shy people, outgoing people. We feel, di- we feel differently, we're motivated differently, we have different influences on us, we have different upbringing, different communication styles, and then we decide to get married and think it's going to be great. <laughs> and you realize, wait a minute, 
I, I'm, try, I'm, I'm saying this, you're hearing that, you're saying this, I'm hearing this, and it's like, whoa, what in the world's going on? We're different. You work with somebody, and the same thing. You, and here's, here's what I've learned. I will use the same word, and someone else will have a different definition of that word. And we, we, will, we are speaking the same words, same language, but totally different definitions about the words that we're using. That's crazy. Why? Because we're different. Happens all the time in church. I'll say the power of the Holy Spirit. Someone else say the power of the Holy Spirit. That, totally different definitions. Why? Because God made us differently. We need to be patient with each other. If we want healthy relationships, we're going to have to be patient. And for all of us, here's the reality. For all of us, and what we, instead of learning patience, we really just want someone to change so we don't have to be patient. We want people to think like us so we don't have to be patient. We want people to act like us, to speak like us, or to, under, or to have the same definition of words like us. And what we can do is we can put all the responsibility on somebody else changing and us never crucify our flesh and grow in what the Bible calls us to, this thing called patience. It's always someone else's fault. It's always this person's fault. It's always because if you did this. It's all, it's, and, and we never crucify our flesh. Paul says that I crucify my flesh. How often did he say? Daily. Daily. This whole idea of patience. Patience says I'm turning the situation over or this person over to God. It says I'm desiring to become more like Jesus. And I'm going to trust God to change what only he can change. But in the process, God, I'm going to ask you to transform and change me. We need patience because we're not all the same. And because we're not all the same, what happens is this, is number two, we will have misunderstandings. Anyone here ever had a misunderstanding in a relationship? Okay, good. No, yeah, whatever. <laughs> we all have misunderstandings. Because we process differently. We, we, don't, we don't think or feel the same. And we need these, this thing called patience. Working through misunderstanding, it is not quick. It is not easy. But the reality is this. Because we are not the same, because by God's grace we are different, we are going to have misunderstandings. And here's the, here's the reality. Many times we have misunderstandings because we think we know something about the other person that actually just isn't true. Or... We think what the other person meant by saying that. Well, I know you didn't say that, but that's probably what you meant. And the other person, I didn't mean that. Yes, it is, is what you meant. Now there's this misunderstanding. You think you know what another person was thinking, or you think what you knew with that facial expression. I, I saw you do it with your face. I didn't do anything in my face. Well, yes, you did. So where do you go from there? No, I didn't. Yes, you did. Okay. Misunderstanding. Or you come to a conclusion about someone through what you think you already know, because of your past experiences, because of your past mistakes, because of their past mistakes in the relationship. 
And you think you know for certain what they were meaning. You think you know for certain that this is really what they were trying to say or meaning to say. That's why many times when I preach, I say this. Please don't hear what I'm not saying. I guarantee you there's going to be be misunderstandings. Paul was actually writing to a church, writing to people who thought they knew everything and what was going on with everybody. They thought they knew why a person was acting this way or saying this or doing this. And this is, this is what Paul writes. I mean, he says this in, in 1 Corinthians 8. He says, those who think they know something do not yet know as they ought to know. Let, let me just kind of translate that. In other words, Paul was saying, you don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> you, have, you have no clue what you're talking about. And this is a major issue in relationships. Someone thinks they know something based off of a judgment of what they think. And they never clarify their conclusion of if is it right or was it wrong. And most of the time, I'll just have to be honest with you, the reason why no one clarifies or comes to, or, or it is able to, okay, I'm feeling this way. Is this really what's going on? It's because they're too proud to face the fact that their, their own emotions might be wrong. They're too proud to face the fact without, without getting information. They don't want to get information because they don't want to be proven that actually it was me who had the misunderstanding, not you. So I'm going to give you just four practical keys to being more patient. Can we all say this together? I need more patience. Just say it again. I need more patience. Good. Now you'll receive these four points because you know you need them. Number one, a very practical thing is this. Listen more, talk less. Amen. We go home. That's it. Point one. Have a great day. (laughs) Listen more. Talk less. You ever been in a conversation where the beginning of someone's sentence just happens to start in the middle of yours? And then it's just this vicious cycle. And then, and then because they only heard half and you only heard half, you come to conclusions and judgments about what they just said and you didn't even hear everything that they said. And then everyone just starts, their own imagination just starts creating this whole scenario. You get to the end of it and you're fighting about something that wasn't even the point in the first place. Why? Because you're talking more and you're listening less. But scripture is clear that you need to listen more and talk less. Just for fun. Turn to someone and say, listen more and talk less. Go ahead and tell them. You've always wanted to tell them. Just do it now. Go ahead. Listen more and talk less. James 1.19 says this. My dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. In other words, hang on. Listen to this. Listen. Everyone should be quick to listen. And slow to speak. Quick to listen, slow to speak. Quick to listen means you're trying to understand something. You're trying to, to, to okay, hang on, I'm, I want to be slow. I, I'm going to listen. In other words, I'm going to understand where you're coming from. Listening is the fruit of patience. 
Listening gives you understanding, and understanding helps you have more patience. It's, this, it's, this, it's a positive cycle that if I will listen more, because for one, sometimes you just got to do something you know you're supposed to do it. Not because you feel it. So the next conversation you get in and you, th- you, you, just, you feel like the, the beginning of your sentence should begin in the middle of theirs, just hold your mouth and listen for a minute. Get some understanding. And when you choose to do that, what will happen, it will produce patience in you because you're crucifying your flesh. That's a very practical way of crucifying your flesh. It's just by shutting your mouth. But uh, you, I'm telling you, you'll do it. Your whole body, will, your foot might even shake because your mouth is closed. It comes out somewhere else sometimes. Just hold your mouth. And when you do that, it's by crucifying your flesh, it allows the, the fruit of the Spirit, which is actually patience out of Galatians 5, to gain more ground in your life. Listening gives you understanding. Proverbs 14, 29 says this, whoever is patient has great understanding. I wonder why the writer wrote this. Whoever has patience has great understanding. In other words, they're listening more and they're talking less. Listening is this key to really Serving a relationship. And there may be people in your life, it doesn't matter how much you listen to them, you'll never understand them. But at least you can begin to grow in your own area of patience. If you don't understand people, really, you're never going to be patient with them. Because you're never going to understand where they're coming from. Many times you can be relationships, and, and especially in marriage. Again, I know this isn't all about marriage, but especially in marriage. There can be a a disagreement or an argument or something, and you're trying to understand. And really what it is is this situation that just happened is attached to pain, rejection, learned behavior of the past and how to respond to pain and rejection. And they're hurt. And you have your areas of hurt as well. And the reality is that there's, there's, there's an old saying that says this, hurt people, hurt people, hurt people, hurt people. And that to have an understanding, you begin to, to have grace. You begin to, to know, listen, I, I know you're angry. I, I know you're feeling this way. Thank you. I, I, I know you're feeling this way. Thanks for, I'm, I'm glad I, I understand. But if you don't have any understanding in your relationship, then what kind of relationship do you have? You have two, you have two people, silos, just maintaining their position. But the other side of this is, if understanding is the basis of relationship, misunderstanding is what destroys relationships. Because people don't feel like they're understood. People don't feel like they belong. People don't feel like, well, you don't care about, I'm trying to talk, and all you're wanting to do is, 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 is apply your position over mine. And, I'm, and, and so this just constant, vicious cycle happens all the time. One of our deepest needs in life is to be understood. For people, actually, this, this is who I actually am. This, this is why I'm feeling this way. This is why I'm sensing this. 
And to know that I belong, to know that I fit, to know that I, I'm accepted warts and all, that I'm a part of a group of individuals and people are in a relationship that is, we are becoming more like Jesus. That's our goal. Our goal is to become like Jesus. And so if that's our goal, then we all have areas we need to grow in. This is why we need relationships, so that we can constantly move forward, so that we can constantly be understood more. And for you and for, and for me, all of us, I can better understand, I can better help, I can better serve someone if I'm patient with them, if I, if I understand where they're coming from. And when I understand that people are hurting, when I understand that people, their background, when I understand where they come from, I'm able to speak into their life. I'm able to serve them better. When someone gets angry, I, I can look behind the hurt. I can look behind the anger. And so by listening to them, and here's the other idea. Listening is, is just not with our ears. There are many other aspects of listening. Proverbs 18, 13 says this, to answer before listening, that's a folly and a shame. But there's, there's more than just our ears to listen with. Actually, real quick, this is clear as a bell. Simply this, don't evaluate what someone does or what you hear until you've heard it all and can have a better understanding. But again, you listen with more than just your ears. I, I, I found this out this week. It's pretty amazing that only 7% of the meaning of what you say is communicated in words. Isn't that crazy? 43% meaning comes from how you say it. If you think about it, that's so true. If you want to say, listen, um, I love you. Or I love you. Or how about this? I forgive you. I forgive him. Okay, that's fine. I forgive him. How, how, how many know you're saying two totally different things? Same words, totally different meanings. So 43% comes in vocal tone, pitch, volume, how you deliver it. The remaining 50% is contained in nonverbal body language, facial expressions, hands gestures, all of that. That's why texting or emailing is not a good avenue to deal with significant issues. It is a recipe for misunderstandings. Even on the phone, you can't see the body language. You can't, you can't see the other person through the phone. This means that your eyes are also important as your ears when you're listening and talking less. When someone is talking to you, here's the, if you're on your phone, no, I'm listening to you. No, you're not listening to me. Nice try, not happening. Or you're watching TV and, the, you know, someone's talking to you and you're like, no, yeah, I totally, I get it, babe. No, I'm with you. No, no you're not. Listen with your eyes. We must learn to hear. Not learn to listen, learn to hear. Second practical key of growing in patience is this, number two, remember everyone has a bad day. Everyone has a bad day. And here's the other thing. Don't let someone's bad day cause you to wound them for a lifetime. Don't let someone else who, who is having a, a bad day cause you to wound them or to put a fraction in your relationship for a lifetime. Patience takes into account that we all have a bad day. Not, Proverbs 19.11 says this. 
A person's wisdom yields patience. It is to one's glory to overlook an offense. This is a profound, profound scripture. It is to one's glory to overlook an offense. Most people, man, we can't move from an offense. Uh-uh, uh-uh, uh-uh. No, no, no. Get back here. Get back here. You offended me. I, I know you want to move on, but get, like, I need, you offended me. I'm not moving. I'm not overlooking. I'm staring at this offense. You want me to look somewhere else? Nope, I'm looking at this offense. We, we can't move on. We're consumed by when we're offended. So many of us justify our bad behavior because of someone else's bad behavior. Well, I'm acting like this because you acted like that. Well, I'm raising my voice because you raised your voice. Well, I'm interrupting you because you interrupt me. And our whole life is spent not taking personal responsibility for our own lives and putting everything on someone else. It's your fault. I did this because you did that. Well, I went out and I partied because you went out and you partied. Well, I won't say that. I want you to hear something. Someone told me this a long time ago, and I've done my best. They said this, your maturity is determined. Your level of maturity is determined by the level of offense that you're able to overlook. Your level of maturity is determined by the level of offense you're able to overlook. And there are people walking around, I'm mature, I'm a righteous person, but I don't like what you did. Man, they can't move on. You changed this. You did this. You said this. I think you said this. I thought you might have said that. I had a suspicion you might be saying this. I'm not moving on, but I'm mature. You were not mature. Now, I'm not talking about remaining in an abusive situation. I'm talking about when someone has had a bad day, to be patient with them and give them grace. Don't corner them into a corner until they're cowering and and crying. And finally, they say, okay, okay, I'm sorry, with tears running down their face. You can say, well, it's fine. I I just wanted you to know. Now I can move on. You've just demonstrated your incredible immaturity. Being offended leads to illegitimate attitudes, to bitterness, emotional states of self-pity, resentment, anger, hatred, for unforgiveness, jealousy, and vengeance. If I, I, w- I would encourage every single one of you get the book, to get the book, The Bait of Satan by John Bevere. It will transform your life. It's all about overcoming offense. If we remember everyone has a bad day, it will give you more understanding and it will give us the opportunity to choose patience, to honor Christ, and to strengthen someone in our life. Number three, practical key for having patience is this. Do for others what you would have them do for you. I know this is a crazy statement. Do for others what you would have them do for you. You know who said this crazy statement? Jesus. Let's look at what Jesus said. Do for others what you want them to do for you. 
Do for others what you want them to do for you. This single, single verse could save so many marriages, could save so many relationships, could keep people connected to church. It's very easy to understand, but very difficult to practice. I understand. If we could do it, we could, we could prevent most divorces. Treat others the way you want to be treated. This is talking about the nature of Christ. This is talking about our example that we follow as believers. Out of Philippians chapter 2, says this. Don't look out only for your own interests, but take an interest in others. You must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. This is the real secret of patience right here. It's not natural for you to be patient with everyone in your life. Everybody say amen to that. It's not natural. It takes God's power in your life, and you can't do it alone. This week, whether at school, at, at, at work, at the grocery store, in your home, with your kids, you're going to meet some difficult people. And God says this, I want you to be patient with them. And how, so how, how can you be patient with everybody? I'll tell you this. By having the attitude of Jesus Christ. It is only through Jesus Christ that you can act outside of your flesh and begin to crucify it and act by the fruit of the Spirit and be patient to people. It is only through His power and His love that you can be patient. This is the secret to patience. This whole idea of patience, I, I, I've, I mean, listen, you just drive on the road for, for three seconds. I'm telling you, I came here um, when we moved back from, from England, when we, would, when we lived in Texas, we'd come to Colorado. We have the most impatient drivers on the planet in Colorado, I'm telling you. True story. This, this was like many years ago, so the people aren't here anymore. I, we were meeting. We were meeting someone for uh, for dinner at, for lunch after church, and so we were driving somewhere. And I'm sitting at a, a stoplight, and I had to get on the interstate. And the person behind me was in church, and I knew them. I was like, "Oh, it's so and so." So I get on the interstate, and I'm not accelerating fast enough. And then so I'm getting over it as they're trying to get around me, and and they flip me off. <laughs> and I remember thinking. They're from my church. <laughs> it's crazy town. The lack of self-control. I mean, at what point? I mean, they just left church. <laughs> Let's be patient. So some pastor isn't telling a story about you in a couple years from now. <laughs> Number four, the secret to patience is this. Don't forget how patient God has been with you. Love is patient. The demonstration of God to you has been patient. 1 Timothy 1.16. This is Paul talking. And he says this. I was shown mercy so that in me, the worst of sinners, Christ Jesus might display his immense patience. God said, Paul said, God chose me 
He was so patient to, to pursue me and come after me. Paul said, while I was killing other Christians, before I was a Christian, God pursued me. He was patient with me. He was after me. He went for me. He met me on the road to Damascus. He revealed himself to me. I had just left the scene of, of stoning precious Stephen, who, who now I look back, he inspires me. For me to continue to go on, I was there. I held the coats of those throwing the stones. I saw him die. I saw the rocks bust his head open. I saw him die. And yet God had patience with me and loved me enough to keep waiting for me, to keep pricking at my heart. And finally he met me on this road and I became a follower of Jesus. And I believe that's one of the reasons why you see Paul. He was so compelled. He was so driven. He would go from this town to this town. He got beat. He got whipped. He got stoned, drug outside of a city. When he came, when he came back awake again, he went back to the same city to preach the gospel. Why? Because he realized that God's immense patience never gave up on him. And he was never going to give up on the lost in the world. Never. Because I was a murderer. But God saved me so he could demonstrate to the world of his immense patience. So when we say things like, come on kids, grow up. Remember, God could say that to you too. When we say, come on, put your shoes on. How long does it take you to put your shoes on? Remember, God is a God of patience. What would, how would God respond? You, you, you can say, hurry up, put your shoes on, get your shoes on. Or you could say, hey, you having trouble getting your shoes on? Let's put your shoes on here. Shoes on. Let, let me tie your shoe. Tie the shoe. You pat on the leg. Come on. Let's go. Same result. Shoes are on. Except one has a wounded heart. One feels like they've been loved. How would God help you put your shoes on? How would God help you tie your shoes? How would God help you grow up? God has immense patience. That is to be our example. To your wife, to your husband, to our neighbor, to your in-laws. Be patient. Yes, there are healthy boundaries. Yes, there's a time for confrontation. But patience and the word of God is to be the filter that purifies our response. In other words, talk less. Read the word. Get the right spirit. Then speak. We hope that this message has spoken something personal to you. If you would like more information about our church family or service times, please call us at 303-424-2121 or visit us at our website, www.fbci.org. Faith Bible Chapel currently meets in our Family Worship Center 
located on the corner of 62nd Avenue and Ward Road.